23 years of jujitsu mm-hmm. and you had a sprained knee and your shoulder is cranky, even though you moved it fine. As you well, said you that. can hear it. Let me and put some it black eyes. Dude, that's fucking Crunchy. miraculous. Yes. Are you I out agree. of your mind? What did you guys the... suffer? Huh? What have you guys suffered? The odds of doing anything for 20 fucking years and being like, yeah, one time I sprained my knee. That's nuts. That one, I did it at a tournament. You can hear it. That's not a sprain, bro. What? You can it was hear, sprained. You hear it? Oh, okay. But what did you hear then? A big pop. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a spray. <laughs> the, I don't know. It swelled up for a few days and it was sore for a couple weeks. That's a sprain, right? Okay. It got some purple around it. What's up, everybody? Thanks for coming back to the Pohada Podcast. As usual, if you dig the show, check it out on social media at the Pohada Podcast for memes and stuff and at Pohada Photography for pictures of jujitsu. Maybe even share the show with a friend if you feel like it. This is a show where we talk about jujitsu with jujitsu people, often black belts. This time around, I convinced our friend Rocco Basile to give me a second chance. I just had to promise to turn the mics on. Rocco has over 20 years of jujitsu practice and some hilarious life stories. So without further ado, here's me and Paulie chatting with Rocco. All mics are on. I think we're ready to go. Rocco, how do you say your last name, Rocco? Basil. Is it? Yep. Not Basile or anything? Well, it's weird. Um, that's a story. My dad's side of the family, um, I'll say Basil. Why? And that's my... <clears throat> I'm not sure. We The theory is uh, discrimination when my grandfather came over, wanted his name to sound more English, maybe. It was a common thing back in the yeah, day, right? so... That's the theory, so they all say Basil over there, but my dad moved to where I grew up, which was Alaska, in the late 50s. Uh, Met my mother up there, married. I don't know if my mother's influence or maybe my dad just wanted to get away from me. He had a big family, too, and so I just grew up saying Basil. Isn't that weird? (laughs) That whole thing. I I discovered it when uh, traveling for the first time. My dad's side of the family's from Philadelphia and uh, Pennsylvania, and um, not the other one. Yeah, there, there's a couple Philadelphia. I bet there is. Yeah, Philadelphia, <laughs> Missouri. Um, so yeah, Philly, PA, and visiting for the first time, and I hear, kept hearing Basil, and then we were saying Basil, and never really quite discovered <laughs> why there was a difference, but that's how it goes. Just regional accent, probably. Is what that that is, you know? uh, could be because, you know, they're doing the whole Pete Rose came down the stairs with no clothes on. You know, they got that <laughs> Pennsylvania. Is that, is, that, is that a phrase to demonstrate their accent? <laughs> Pete Rose came down the stairs with no clothes on. Are they the John people? Like that John there where they use that weird slang? Is that Philadelphia? Uh, I think that's Philadelphia. I, maybe. I haven't heard that one. What's that John? Like J A W N, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's no, the impression. I don't know. Uh, the other weird regional thing over there is uh, Scrapple. Scrabble. No Scrapple. Scrapple. What's Scrapple? Intestines, I think. Right. Uh, I think it's essentially a, a very low quality sausage, but they mix it in with um, oats or barley. Mm-hmm. There's like a grain mixed in with it. Yeah, it's a breakfast sausage sort of deal. So you can get. Like eggs and scrapple. 
uh so you know drew's uh barbecue drew yeah barbecue illustrated his haltman meats you can get scrapple from haltman Oh, oh really? Okay. Yeah, I think Drew said it's all right. I, I think oh, I could be? be remembering every other, this like, incorrectly. Every other sausage I've had, no matter what they put in it, blueberries and stuff, you're always like, "Nice hot sausage, thanks." I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. It's funny you don't find it out here, but probably could. Yeah, if you dug deep, Alaska off of Amazon. Yeah, the internet. It's on <laughs> yeah, computers yeah. now. Alaska China. though, that's weird, dude. Why? Why did we go right to weird Pennsylvania stories? Pennsylvania is normal. Alaska seems weird. <laughs> Alaska you, is weird. You grew up in Alaska? I did. How long? Uh, born and raised. Okay. Same how house, long? all that sort of stuff. Oh, how long? Yeah. Well, that would be uh, one to eight, zero to nineteen. Sure. Zero to eighteen. I came to Minneapolis, uh, well, Minneapolis for college, and then I've been here ever since. Yeah, that's how they get you. Go somewhere for school, and you forget to leave. Well, my mother is from rural Minnesota, so I'm somewhat familiar with Minneapolis. Took a couple of family vacations, and they're in the uh, Fergus Falls, Perm area. Nice. Dent, if you've ever heard uh-huh. of it. Yeah. You have? Yeah, yeah. Like I've heard of Perm, not Dent. 200 people. I, I lived in Fargo-Moorhead for, oh, okay. for like five years, so I knew people from all those little towns, because they all go to Fargo-Moorhead unless they go to... Chicago or Minneapolis. Sure. Perm. Yeah. Perm's like a nice little town. Yeah, that's cool. It's sort of considered like the next big town yeah. proximity to Dent. So that's where you go like do your grocery shopping and stuff. Um, City people are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and go over a couple towns to, <laughs> to buy raspberries? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I worked at the potato chip factory there. Barrel of fun. I was there for a summer. In the, uh, in my, the, yeah, my parents, my, my parents um, moved right after I graduated high school. They were already retired, so they moved to Dent. And so I had my first semester in college at MCAD, and one of the summers I spent in Dent and didn't really have much to do, so I got a job. It was third shift, dude. Never would have guessed that you didn't have much to do in some place <laughs> called Dent. Also, <laughs> third shift. Gross. Yeah, that's it was that's the definition. 9 a.m. to like 7 a.m. Yeah. And 9, 9 minimum PM, wage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But That's, I, that's I, the I, definition I, of nothing to do still. <laughs> you didn't find anything to do. Oh, man, you just stare off into space when you're... <laughs> You're Working you're, overnights at the chip. Factory. Yeah, you're standing on your feet, and you get a 15 minute break. They got free soda, so that was nice. They had a pop machine, and um, <laughs> the highlights of yeah. Minnesota, baby. Free tab, yeah. and they they were so stingy with their product. You know, it wasn't like they were coming home with a free bag of chips or anything. Sure, right. But that's when I learned a valuable lesson, which is this. All right, that. All the potato chips come out of the same hole. You got Doritos. <laughs> you got uh, whatever, Funritos. You got Rainbow Foods brand. You got Cub Foods brand. They're all coming off the same conveyor belt, yeah, right? Yeah. So we, the only thing between their, their high-end product and their low-end product was the packaging. You'd be sitting at the corn chip conveyor, and then all of a sudden you'd be looking at Rainbow Foods brand. And then the next thing you'd be seeing, um, Katie's special kettle corn, 
Right. But they'd be in smaller packages too. Yeah, yeah. So and priced up higher. Priced up higher. And that's when you would try to crush all the chips in the bag without popping the bag before you got it into the big box. <laughs> Which was a challenge sometimes. Sure. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also a dick move, for the record. They can Yeah, I suppose. That person that opens up their Katie's kettle corn specialty chips and finds that they're all crushed. So will their heart. <laughs> Far and away the best start to this jujitsu podcast. Barrel of fun. My I got I got the job because my cousin worked there. She was like a manager or something. That's how that works out there. Yeah, yeah. You got to know people, dude, to get those sweet gigs. Did you say your parents were retired when you graduated high school? Mm-hmm. You're one of those kids too. Huh? Yeah, my parents got started late with the family, yeah. so I think I like. For instance, I'm the youngest first cousin out of both sides of my dad's family and my mom's family, so. Um, I had a couple of my, on my dad's side, a couple of second cousins that were older than me. Yeah. Right. So. I just actually, I had uh, lunch with an aunt who lives in like England or something like this. Mm-hmm. And she brought her kid that she had like later on in life. And he was eight. Mm-hmm. This is my cousin. And I'm 38. That's wild. Very strange. Wait, it is? To me, bro, but uh, you, you got those retired parents and you grew up in Alaska, so weird is normal for you. That just seems really strange to me. 30-year yeah, yeah. difference in cousins? My brother just had a kid. Yeah, that, so no. He's 21. Yeah. So they're going to be twenty years over 20 years apart, almost 21 years apart. What? Yeah, man. My dad had... And my brother's only two years younger than I That's am. That's weird. <laughs> but in fairness, you, you took the fast route with that yourself. My wife's fault. Yeah, it's fair. She don't listen to the show, so we're probably pretty good. That's called accidental, is what that means. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) Yes, not accidents. Kids were accidents. (laughs) Did you know that? (laughs) Happy little accidents. (laughs) Turned out okay, I guess. (laughs) So uh, let's 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 do some jujitsu. Oh boy. Here we go. Can you remember when you started? Oh yeah. Um, let's see, 2000 and 2000, well, December 14th, 1999 is when I started. And I know that because I was handed a little ID card by oh, yeah, yeah. the uh, Minnesota Martial Arts, wait, Minnesota Martial Arts, Arts Academy. Academy. Yeah. That was the um, original name, right? Yeah. And, uh, Greg Nelson's team, uh, at the little strip mall before they got the big warehouse in Brooklyn Park. And so it had a date when I started on it. That's how I remember it. Yeah. But yeah, that's when I started. And it was... Uh, started right before the end of the world. That's cool. I mean, might as well take a chance. Well, that's why I started, you know. Yeah. I was going to have to defend my property. And sometimes, you know, your hands could be the best option. <laughs> Computers don't have to rely don't on mechanical yeah, stuff, right. you know, like bullets. <laughs> Uh, do you still have that card? I do. You do? That's yeah. actually pretty cool. I Well, I have a whole collection of like all my IDs. So I have like basically all my driver's license I've ever been issued and stuff. Yeah, that so makes I, sense. I've kept all that stuff. I have all my driver's license. You still. do too? Yeah. Yep. Oh, I cut them up and get rid of them. 
Well, it's, it's a good family heirloom yeah. someday. Get some non Pass it on to your cousin who just turned eight. Bro. Right? He, he talks funny. Who's that? Obviously. He's from like England. Yeah. So he's all, he's all chipper cheerio. He's all, oh, all governor, this. you got yeah. any driver's licenses? I'll have a look at it. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> what, uh, why? Why did you start jujitsu? Um, well, I, it, it was a very common for everyone. They saw Hoist Gracie at UFC. I know this was years before, but it was yeah, always yeah. kind of in my head. Yeah. And, um, a lot of people have kind of a long arc to having the seed planted to the thing bearing fruit. I was several years of like, yeah, I got to do that. I got to do that. Yeah. And I've had a friend with college, uh, Sean and he was taking classes at the Collie group. I think when Greg was there because he started at the Collie group Mm -hmm. and then was doing stuff at the strip mall and invited me to class. Actually it was a Nogi class. Uh, So that was my first class as I recall. And I just got beat up and that was like, um, you're allowed to drop names here. Yep. Does anybody care though? They're going to be like nobody actually listens to this. It's, it's all good. <laughs> you know uh, who is it? Uh, Tom Schmitz, Nat McIntyre, all those original guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Shirk on occasion. He was more of a day guy, but he's one of the Dave Manet. I think was in that class too. Um, but yeah, I just remember getting beat up and been doing it ever since. Pretty much was that the one of these early academies had like basically hard floors or something didn't they was there uh, one that was like legit poorly equipped or something not that i recall i remember uh, having essentially a couple of layers of wrestling mats but i oh, remember sure, they were sure. like zebra quality yeah not the uh, spring board stuff that people are installing today where you get the extra little bit of cushion super nice to skip warm-up takedowns on like when you're standing around waiting for everybody else to finish their warm-up takedowns, having that extra give in the mats is really excellent. Yeah. <laughs> really, and you're bouncing, thinking about yeah, your next like, move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? My first roll's going to suck because I'm not actually warmed up, but I'm definitely not doing those takedowns. Yeah, certainly I've slowed with the wanting to get thrown. I was telling and Mark Niccolo, actually, he's a frequent... Uh, Warm up and throw as partner of yours. I was telling him the other day that I, I just love watching you guys warm up takedowns. Because I never take them down. Neither of you. <laughs> well, like I you think you put that, the hip think, in and you turn, and then, okay, good. Like, we got it. We got it. For sure. Well, I think Mark's being respectful to me because I've kind of started that. So I bet you he wants to take people down. But unfortunately, we just, we're in line together every yeah, class. Right, so he doesn't escape. So he has to. <laughs> He has to warm up with my lazy techniques. Man, I guarantee you he's fine with it. Okay. He's an old man just like the rest of us. Yeah. Besides, it's how you do it in judo, right? You do the setup. Yeah, it's called practice. We're practicing. (laughs) Just like the judo guys. That's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. So were you mostly in that first space? Or did it move not too long after you first started up? When did they move? Let's, let's explore the lineage here. Um, it had to be like th- three or four years after that, like 2004 or something, when they moved to the Brooklyn Park larger facility. 
Um, went through purple belt and then brown belt there. And uh, then they opened a Gracie Baja. There was a guy that was training at uh, Greg's gym, Rodrigo, and he'd gotten his black belt. And so he decided to open up a Gracie Baja and open it up right where we, we that steel toe, I think we were talking yeah, about, yeah. essentially right across the street from right, St. Louis uh, Park there. Yeah, from M Theory. And I trained there for a couple of years, but. Uh, it was kind of squirrely. Rodrigo soon moved after leave after opening the gym and left some other people in charge. And then he was having trouble getting people to stick around to train. Um, there was a couple of people that came through that were solid instructors, but they're Brazilians, and soon they find out about winter, and yeah. then they're out of there. You know, yeah. they're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. They're not totally wrong. correct. So. Uh, and then fortunately Ishmael found that spot across the street. And as soon as he opened his gym, I hopped over there and been training with Ishmael. Was that Baja was still open when Ish opened. Huh? Yeah. So, they, but it was on its, you know, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was, I forget who told Oleg. us. I think Oleg was there, right? Oleg trained there. It's kind of all blurry for me. Like I was having this discussion with Mark, like, like, cause he ended up going from, um, Greg's gym and then over to Damien's Alliance. And then he, I thought he had trained at Gracie, but he hadn't, but it's just how you, you know, all these faces right. get all blurred yeah. together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah you, everybody switches gyms once or twice and you, nobody can keep track at that point. I Somebody told the story either on here or just privately about like the Baja closed abruptly. It was, yeah, I think, uh, like there was a couple times I, it was nice. I had a good experience with it partially because Rodrigo gave me a scholarship. So I wasn't paying even as a brown belt. Cause I, I think he expected me to actually, you know, take over and teach class and stuff, which I, I kind of <laughs> didn't do so much, but he never, he never really came out and asked me to do it. I'd fill in on occasion. Yeah. He but, just figured it was going to go that way, so he was going to sweeten the deal. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe that was his angle, but um, I probably didn't contribute as much as I could. Um, so, yeah, it was things that was very sporadic, and sometimes there was the instructor was there and all that sort of stuff. So, um, And it was as soon as Ishmael opened his gym. There was a couple of guys that opened their own gym too. Mark Mortensen, he trained at Gracie Baja and they opened up, I think they call it tracks yeah, or something like that. Yeah, he's got tracks up in Coon Rapids. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Brian Mogden's yeah. was at Gracie Baja. Um, but I think, it was, yeah. I think it was Ryan Dixon. Did Dixon tell me that he went there to sign up, like did a trial class, the dude like took – was like, yeah, we'll get you officially signed up or whatever. And he might have balked and said, well, I'm going to come back to another free one. And the next day he came back and it was closed no. oh, <laughs> or something man. like that. I don't like, think I heard that. He was just trying to trying to bring some last money in at the last minute. I hope I'm not talking out of turn, but I think there was some, some story well, like that. that. Like, oof. That's possible because they were the people that were running it were not owners or anything. So, sure, you know, yeah. if someone's not paying me to show up, I'm not going to lock the doors and head right, home. Yeah. Right? That's a tricky thing. You're going to start a business and then move out of state unless that thing is a well-oiled machine, man. That's Yes, that's tricky. impossible. It's impossible to do it, to run it like that. And um, 
the story was he had some lucrative job opportunities along with his wife, so that's why they, they moved out of moved out of state. So, and then he can't expect. That's part of the reason why um, I feel as though I've trained at the same school almost my whole career, even though I was at the academy. Because at the time when I was coming up, Ishmael was the head instructor. So it's kind of like Ishmael has been my instructor pretty much my whole jujitsu career, yeah, even we'll for that break here or there or whatever. That stint at Gracie Baja. Um, yeah. What, you, what member number are you at M Theory? I get. I don't know. Oh, I, f- I, I figured you'd know because you got the original card from uh, Academy. Well, the Academy, I know what number I am there. Yeah. Number twenty-two. Oh, nice. Yeah. Deuce, deuce. Because <laughs> like oh, man, Tom, we're, we're already getting into the strip club <laughs> aspect of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's closed. The deuce, deuce, isn't it? Yes. Nah. Yes, it's been closed for a while. I should have worn my T-shirt. But... Maybe I could get him free too. <laughs> See if it still fits. Figured we have to bring up the the old. Deuce Deuce? No. Oh. Your old place of employment. Downtown <laughs> Cabaret now. But what is it called? Sheik's back then. Oh, yeah. Sheik's Palace Oh, yeah. Royale. I forgot you guys got some uh, cultural connections. What was your, Polly? your oh, I just connection? had friends that worked there. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's his like stock answer for everything. I know a guy. Yeah. I knew <laughs> a guy. I knew JJ, who was the promoter, who everybody hated. This is a strip club you guys are talking about? I didn't yeah. mean to derail the conversation. Um, no, no. Actually, coincidentally, is... the same guy that got me into jujitsu, Sean, is the guy who's like, hey, they're hiring over at, over at um, Sheik's Palace Royale. And they were cleaning house. They'd had some dudes that were there. This is a story I got and kind of witnessed it, too, was... Um, they had dudes that were there for like 20 and 30 years and knew how to work the system and like had their own customers and, you know, were pocketing stuff. So the, the club wasn't making any money. And um, so they were just cleaning, clearing people out and just hiring people on the spot like me. And uh, so Sean had worked there for a while, for a couple of weekends. And they were, he was in the pool. They had a, called floor hosts. And so he was coming home with some cash, but it, uh, the problem with me is like I never I was low man on the totem pole when I got hired and they weren't hiring people behind me. And so there was a couple of times I was there. One of the Sundays I worked, I was there from 9 a.m. to like three in the morning and I'm working minimum wage. Right. <laughs> and we're trying to. Yeah, that was a weird experience. I was not ready for it. I was <laughs> I was thinking it was going to be like security. Someone gets out of hand. Me and the floor hosts, we swarm and they get kicked out and we move on with our day. And there's going to be a lot of standing around. What, um, did you, what did you do? What was like your job title? Well, again, I'd never been yelled at so much in my life either. It was crazy. That was the job title. Yeah, Scott basically get, get yelled at by um, Ziggy. And Ziggy was a dude, he was from New York, he had a super thick, like, Brooklyn accent, and he had just come off the Gold Coast Club, which, I don't know if anybody recalls, this is way back, but the NBA had a bit of a scandal when they were using the Gold Coast Club in Atlanta as, like, a whorehouse, essentially. (laughs) And so, Ziggy was the manager of this place Uh, when he was down there, so... Um, and he was nuts about sports, dude. If any sports guys showed up at the club, it was just like, he'd start drooling, crying. <laughs> he couldn't believe it. And like I saw some Detroit lions showed up one night. Um, some of the Indiana Pacers, as I recall, um, 
anyways, so yeah, Ziggy ran the place. And so my job was to shake everyone's hand. It was the stupidest fucking thing. Um, so I stood at the front door and just shook everyone's hand as they came in. Just thousands of handshaking. And um, uh, so gross. at it's some point, I switched hands. I switched to my left hand because <laughs> these dudes would show up. They're like, I'm psyched about strip club and they try to crush your hand it's like i'm not don't try to impress me bro i'd be here all day and so uh, i started shaking with my left hand and then ziggy comes on what the what the fuck are you doing shaking with your left hand and i'm like i, I my hand hurts there was a knot in it and so i go back to my right hand i remember one time too where we had i had to buy a tux i still own it um about a service tux at k and g and uh, so I'm wearing this tux. I'm standing there shaking everybody's hand. I hear over the, we had these walkie talkies. Oh, hey, everybody to the back. I'm like, okay. So I crawl back to the back. And here's Ziggy holding court in front of a bunch of the waitresses. And I'm chewing gum all day because I'm saying, I'm talking to people and stuff. So I'm sitting there chewing my gum and I'm, I'm standing there going, okay, what are we doing here? Ziggy points to me in the back. He's like, what the fuck are you chewing fucking gum for? Spit that fucking gum out of your mouth right now. What are you doing back here? Get out of here. And meanwhile, all the waitresses turn around and looking at me and they're all chewing their gum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, all right, 10, 10, 9. I head back to the front to shake hands. So, um, yeah, I just ended up, I, I worked there for maybe like three months of weekends. And I was probably there. Without even counting the entertainers, there was upwards of 30 women there as bartenders, bar um, bar tub girls and stuff like that. And so I was like, that's how Sean sort of sold it to me. He was like, oh, there's going to be a bunch of women there. They're not all entertainers, quote unquote. And then you're going to uh, get cash. I love that. You know? Entertainers. Yeah. So, yeah. but then the, the, the Ziggy dude, he called in the whole, the whole team on like a Sunday just to tell us about... <laughs> I don't even remember. It was something about him on the subway and being nice to people and all this sort of stuff. This is a Sunday. We're not getting paid or anything. And yeah, there was a bunch of that sort of stuff going on. And of course the entertainers, they don't have to show up to this, <laughs> to this meeting yeah, with everyone. No, no, they're busy. Some of those girls though, they would make, remember there's one girl I remember she was crying because she only made 1200 bucks that night. Hmm. She was crying about it. And then they did these shenanigans with sh funny money. So at the end of the night, there was a scramble to talk to the floor host and get his cash for your funny money or vice versa sort what of thing. Funny money? Yeah, they, you could buy tickets for like 20 bucks, like Disneyland money essentially, but Sheik's money. <laughs> what the fuck? And I don't know if there was a, it was a bargain involved or... Yeah, I get, don't remember you get, the... You get two bucks off or something. I don't know. <laughs> So there was I'm some sure you can still there. do that at, at these places, right? Yeah. So really, the in terms of there was a so what I didn't expect was the service aspect of it, which was you're the floor host. First of all, you're putting reserved signs on stuff that's not reserved. It's reserved for that dude who gives you twenty bucks. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. So they and I remember one of the, the one of the floor hosts telling me like, "Look, I'm going to teach you how to make money. First of all, if they got five bucks, they ain't serious. Ten bucks, maybe. Twenty bucks, tell us, tell the rest of us they got, they gave you twenty bucks, you know, so they can swarm on them." 
And so uh, that was a weird aspect. And then if you're in the pool, you're sharing all that money. But I wasn't in the pool yet. And I had my best night was like 250 bucks. And that's because I worked a private room where this guy ended up spend, spending a bunch of money. So I got a piece of that. But overall, it just wasn't worth it. I was working. Technically, I was an independent contractor. I was working for a game developer. And it was kind of every once in a while I get there wouldn't be any work to do. So I'd had like a month off. So I was kind of thinking, well, this might be a good second income, but it just didn't pan out. I never saw any, like any problem was they let the girls drink. So the entertainers, there was a girl, a girl barfed on a dude. (laughs) (laughs) The guy guy didn't really even flinch. He was so into it. (laughs) I don't know if that was the case. You ever see a girl fall off the stage? I've seen that. Have you? No, I I didn't see anything like that. There was sort of a pattern, though, when if the bar bar tub girls were cute enough, eventually they'd end up stripping. Yeah. Because they would see that. And then they, they did this other thing that made it tough for a guy, which was they did it after hours. Right. So after bar time, after one o'clock and they they'd send out this dude that did promotions, Ziggy would. And this guy um, would take a stack of these um, printed tickets and just hand them out to whoever on the street. So at one one a.m. you get this line of people that don't know what's going on. They don't know where they're at. They just know there's a club and then they find out it's a one drink minimum which is a $10 Coke, right? <laughs> so they've already made it past the front door, and then they're discovering that they have to purchase a Coke. So 90% of my job was talking people down, you know, uh, at that time of night. And then the whole time, the other time, the floor hosts are just like, fucking JJ, that JJ's screwing us. Why is he sending all these bums here? You know, he just gets super mad with the JJ guy because he made a little cut of everybody that showed up. So Ziggy loved this JJ kid. And so this JJ kid was making all this money and all the floor hosts were like, all these derelicts would show up and not, <laughs> like I said, not know what's going on. We had the, one of my first experiences was going out and promoting. I didn't even have my tux yet. So I was in my, my suit. I wore a suit down there. So it was at the, no, wait, this was when I had my, no, I had my tux. So we went out to the, um, to the Vikings game to promote. So we took a, like two stacks of these JJ's tickets, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how they're full. They're you know index stock, full color. They're nice looking tickets. And so I go out with the, one of the floor hosts. He's like graphic designer. So he's for like, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, and this is this is expensive to produce these. Mm-hmm. And I must have like a thousand American of psycho. them. <laughs> they were bone. And then um, the font was it's got a watermark. <laughs> well, you got to notice those things. It sets you apart. So, yeah, uh, essentially, we went out to go promote with JJ's stuff, and the first dumpster we found, we threw him in the dumpster, and then we went and partied at somebody's, uh, somebody was tailgating one of his frat buddies or something. <laughs> so, yeah, we just threw those right in the trash. It's too bad. Yeah, it's a invested shame. money in those. But, yeah, everybody hated that JJ because he wasn't um, discerning with the clientele he handed out these tickets to. Right not actually making money no it was terrible um so yeah that last didn't last very long and 
It was a good, just fun experience. My first night there, I had to peel a dancer off the locker room floor, tell her it was time to go home. Because I was the, as the lowest guy, last guy hired, I was supposed to stay there all night until they locked the doors. So yeah, this, I was like, hey, princess, time to head home. It's just too much drinking. <laughs> Probably, yeah, yeah. I think she was kind of wasted. But yeah, I got to know, I had... I think I flirted with one of the bar tub girls and then saw her out later, like a year later, and said, hey, so-and-so, you remember? And she was like, I was drunk the whole time. I was like, okay, sorry. <laughs> I thought we made a connection, but apparently you were <laughs> drunk. So <laughs> She was in a beer tub, too. It's yeah. like, well, I don't know if this is the best idea to someone who was What the fuck a is a beer tub? You never been to the club where the first place you walk in, there's a just a tub of beer, and there's usually two attractive girls there handing them out. And they're not free, of course. It's a good but, idea, but they yeah oh, they yeah. get you before you. I don't go to stuff, uh-huh. so yeah. that's good. It's better for your health. Oh, I don't sure. work on that either. But yeah. you spend that time eating Doritos from Barrel of Fun, <laughs> off brand. Uh, that Rocco broke. Yeah, bag of chips. Broke chip. He broke the bag of chips. Oh, shattered all the chips. Threw away the cards. <laughs> I've done some horrible <laughs> stuff, man. Repent. Wow. Repent. I mean, I would have handed those cards out, but the other guy told me to throw them away. Just following orders. Yeah. yeah. Heard he, a lot of that at he Nuremberg. He made some nice dough there. Some of those guys, you know, they get a hold of the private room and um make some nice money. Waitresses too. Well, yeah, it's a thriving industry for a reason. Somebody's making money. I don't know what happened. What happened with COVID in strip clubs? Are they still allowed to you, do their you, thing, you, Polly? You do a Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> what can you tell us, Polly, about the modern state of... <laughs> well, market I re- have some market friends. report. I have not, I have not been to a gentleman's club since pre-COVID, I don't believe. I don't think so. I don't think I have. I take no, it back. Uh-oh. Uh oh! This is part of work for you, right? I was in one for less than a few minutes. I walked in, and a a dude, not he's not a buddy of mine, but we were friendly and went to high school together. And I walked, and um, I walked in, and his daughter was working, so I turned around and left. Uh, the, yeah, I left right away. She was working the beer tub or the stage, not the beer tub. <laughs> <laughs> so, wah, wah. It was, yeah. the, it was uh, one of my other buddies' birthdays, and. There was a group of like eight or nine of us, and I was like, uh, I got to get out of here. Uh, that's a sign you shouldn't go to those correct. when no, you're, right. you and your peers' kids are officially eligible I, to be working on the polls. I agree with you. Yeah. Who who brought you that job? Your buddy Sean, you said? Sean. Sean Mall. Does he, he still train? Yeah, he trained. He moved to Michigan. Um, you can catch him on Instagram. Oh, I have I have a loose connection. Yeah, that's right. A client of mine... That's like her daughter's husband, a fitness client of mine. Uh, yeah, I, have, I have some loose connection to this. You know, Sean Mall. Like, I don't know him, but looked him up when they mentioned him, and I saw that you followed him, That one of those kind of oh, things. Okay, yeah. So this is the strangest small world yeah, he's situation. Been, yeah, he's been training. Um, yeah, he moved to Michigan a while ago. but That's cool, because it's tough to come by those stories of the guy you started with. Still doing it, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. That's cool. 
Well, I, that's the story of the whole jujitsu community in Minneapolis. I know all those guys. Right. For yeah. the most part. The, the o- list of OGs, like first and second generation. The gray beards. Yeah, in terms of schools, I pretty much know most of the ones that are recently opened. Well, I mean, within the last eight years, they're all Minnesota Martial Arts Academy people. Right, right. Yeah. That was the original plant. I mean, Damien Hertz and I, we were matched up a lot at the old uh, strip mall days because we were in the uh, about the same height and weight. Who was the guy you told us about uh, on the first podcast? <laughs> the, the original attempt at the yeah. Rocco episode? The the European guy. That was tough. Oh, tough. Yevgeny? Gin? Yeah, gin. That's yeah, what I called him Lev. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. And I was like, what's the budget like? We uh, chop her Levin? For that's this? right. That's right. That's right. Gin. No, no. That's right. Yeah. Yevgeny. No, Gin's a legend. Legendary. He's got a school out in uh, Latvia now. That's where he's originally from. Um, and he's a Pedro Sauer. Okay. affiliate out oh, there cool. you can catch him on instagram too but yeah he was what what he, is the instagram do you know um, yeah sorry bro something lv i yeah i, sh, I don't know they come up in the feed yeah i give it a like right <laughs> go ahead sorry um but uh yeah so yeah you have guinea came to minnesota with a pretty extensive wrestling pedigree uh latvian national team and so yeah like um yeah and he just took it to people and would surprise people and hurt a couple people yes (laughs) but it was it was all out of love it was all out of the pain is is the love right now you gotta train hard this is true yeah so yeah yevgeny um jen but uh, I, did I have a particular story? I don't remember. As I recall, he did crush a couple of uh, testicles. <laughs> was the thing. <laughs> I don't know if I should tell these stories, but yeah, go I mean, for it. Have you had, you've had Nat McIntyre on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the, one of the balls he crushed. Oh, man. Uh, I, just, <laughs> I, I just heard this story. Oh, Shit. Well, we're gonna hear it from Rocco. Right? I, well, yeah, I wasn't was there going. for it or anything. They're just sparring during. Um, I think they because uh, he did uh, also did some Muay Thai to Jin, so I think they were sparring during some Muay Thai. Um, but nightmare. And then there was somebody else got there. Something crushed. I got a couple of black eyes from him for sure. Yeah. I'm here for a good time, baby. I want to train hard, <laughs> but like, let's all calm down. <laughs> I don't know. He wasn't hated at the gym, right? For sure, for sure. But yeah, you don't hate that guy. But at the same time, you're like, oh, warming up somebody else. Uh, every, every, well, certainly, you're picking your. Partners. I mean, every, everybody likes Ethan, but there are lots of black guys. From Ethan, oh yeah, yeah. No, I went out to visit um, Jin when he first opened his gym out there. That was one of my few times I've been to Europe in Latvia. Yep, that's cool. He's oh, shit, in Riga. Man. That That's was cool. uh, 2013 or something like that, a while ago. Ten years back. What year is it? Depends on how you count them at this one. point. Yeah, there's some not not uh, there's some math involved <laughs> at this point. So you're at M Theory as a brown belt. Um. Yes. So I got my black belt from Ish. 
shortly after that. I did the, um, what was it? Pans, Masters Pans, or was it Masters Pans, Masters, when I, as a brown belt? I did okay. I got a silver in the absolute. That's, Wait, it's a no, touch I, better than okay. Right? No, I did. I got a silver in my division. Yeah. Um, the first, what was that? The first Pans, but I haven't really competed since then. Since brown belt, and I got my black belt shortly after that. And you haven't competed at black belt? No, I haven't. Uh, scary out there. <laughs> correct. Yeah. It's a violent sport. People well, trying to break stuff. Yeah, and then um, I had run into the same dude in my division at the brown belt, but would that would not happen at the black belt? I mean, I'd be running into Solo Ribeiro or right uh, somebody Lovato Junior or something like that. Which, I don't know, might be fun to not be completely killed. To feel held. (laughs) Nice to feel held. You get to look in his eyes, you know, you get close. You're like, wow. That's the thing of that is you become a black belt, and let's say you're kind of an older guy, so you go do the master's black belt division. Well, you're fighting people who've been black belts for 12 years. Sure. And they speak Portuguese and stuff. What a nightmare. Yeah. Hard pass. Yeah, pass. Hard pass. Yeah, you definitely have to step it up a notch. But in terms of experience, it might be something. Yeah, cool to say, if nothing else. There was a guy from Alliance that had a match with um, Buchecha. Bro. That's cool. The same division. Yeah, that's yeah. something. Yeah. I mean, don't look into it, but it was cool, <laughs> you know. <laughs> How was a... I remember Buchecha was kind of looking off into the crowd at one point. Yeah. <laughs> he was checking the score or the time or something. But, but no, that's tough. That's a, that's a whole other level, right? So. But that's the thing. You're technically at that level. Like the demarcations are such that you are at that level. And it's like, am I though? Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole thing. I don't consider myself an athlete or being very athletic. So, I mean, those guys, to reach that level, you got to be yeah, super athletic, and then you got the jujitsu experience on For top sure. of it. It seems like most sports have that arc. Like, you look at football in the 70s, early 70s, or go back into the 60s, and the level of athleticism you see. Like, they were just playing the game of football. It was sports. And Having there a was heater at halftime, yeah. you know. But, like, you there was that? a lot of that, like, regular guy <laughs> shit going on, whereas, like, now you look at what you know the three hundred and fifty pound linemen are capable of, and you're like, nope, yeah, it's very cool, but nope, for sure. Uh, they used to say Vladi Divac would smoke during halftime. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. It was like Croatian or something. So who did, it? who did it? Did I just hear a? And there's a famous picture of who's it, Staubach or one of some NFL, uh, I think from that era, from the 70s, where he's smoking at halftime, <laughs> having a cigarette. I think it was Staubach or a Dallas player. Anyways. So, yeah, they were allowed to smoke. I was just hearing a story about somebody drinking like six beers between their matches, like jujitsu matches. It's not it's not not Kelly Johnson. He wasn't afraid to He's been known to have a beer or two, is my understanding. Oh, man, I wish You I haven't had Kelly him. on yet? He's got I no, mean, we, he's we, so we much... did Kelly, but Kelly uh What? Yeah, we had what Kelly happened? on. Huh? 
but he redacted a bunch of stuff. No, 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 no. It's no, like no. scratch that part out. Yeah, that that episode was was you brought got your, to us by your computer broke uh, again. Howlerhead. Howlerhead whiskey. Howlerhead Unfortunately, whiskey. yeah, yeah. Or my guy Kelly. Oh, and then what? You can't. What is there? Some sort of stipulation? No, it's not it? literally brought to us by that. He drank a half a bottle or more of Howlerhead. Fucking Kelly Johnson. <laughs> Did he really? Hey, he went to town, you know. So by the end of the episode, and he just he can be a Coors Light. Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> he brought it. Oh, he's like I was watching the fights and there's a sign on the ring for Howlerhead, so I wanted to try it. And then oh. he just like I literally took the bottle at some point, and he's fine with me saying this because he kicked my ass anyhow. But I like literally snagged the bottle and like shoved a, a glass of water over to him. Which he didn't retouched. Hmm. So we, yeah, we it was, you didn't it was offer fun. Any snacks. It was it was fun. Barrel I don't think he fun? eats. I don't Chips? think he eats or drinks water. Um, he is a yeah. I don't think I've seen him eat much. We, we've been uh, going over to Bunny's on occasion after class, and he's like one potato chip. That's about it. Potato chips are just one barrel of fun. Eat, fun burrito. No, you're eating a potato one chapter at a time. <laughs> Or one page at a time. Sure. Think about it that way. <laughs> full derailment. We just got fully derailed. Uh, let's talk about, you told me a good story about Chicago. I an, did? An early competition you did. What was the organization? Because there wasn't a lot of competitions yeah. around back then. Oh, that was the, that's my famous Naga story. Yeah, yeah sure. Yes. Naga story. Let's, let's, a bunch no. of times. No, no, no. I told the no. locker room Tell a few it. times. Tell it all over again. <laughs> well. You got to go to Chicago to compete back then. When is this? This was. Year and belt. Um, actually, it was Milwaukee. Yeah, I was going to say that. that yeah, thank you. So, yes, it's Milwaukee. Thing, and it's uh, Naga. And there should have been. A sword on the line? Is no, that I believe so. Yeah, they yeah. have swords and the big giant belt. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, what should have occurred to me when looking at the poster before signing up was the head of the organization had pictured himself holding a belt with no shirt on. And that should have been <laughs> um, you know, a warning as to how the organization is run because this guy was clearly... Um, insane clip <laughs> Kohler. Do you know that name? That's who runs. I don't know if he still runs Naga. Oh, Naga's still around. Right? Yeah. 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 For yeah. Sure. They still do the swords and belts and stuff. Oh yeah. Well, cool. Um, so yeah, I'm at the Minnesota martial arts Academy. A big group of us goes a bunch of the names already dropped a bunch of the, uh, uh, even Greg Nelson was out there with the uh, still and Spicer. I remember there was like, uh, Adam Frankow, I think was out that year two we were out there and so we show up uh at the gym where it's at it's a high school gym 9 a.m do our weigh-ins i don't compete till 9 p.m so i we sat in the stand well i did sat in the stands for essentially 12 hours uh, at that, one point we left. De- like, is that the schedule? Is that by design? That was not the design. Just, no, just the we were. Yeah, they out. were just. It was so vague when we were going on, and it was like, huh, okay, about an hour they'll be done with the kids. I'll go warm up. You know, this is 11 a.m. Like, no, <laughs> that's not right. And For, then was your first warm up. Yeah, and then okay, well, uh, we'll go get a light lunch and come back and see where they're at. And they, I think they went to the nogi stuff at that point. So there was a couple of people that competed, but, uh, I finally get to the mat 
9 p.m. I roll with this dude. I had a purple belt at the time. And uh, the match goes 0-0. Excellent. And we go to overtime. <laughs> the guy, as I recall, shot a double. I stuffed it. I got on top. I threatened a wrist lock. Very good. Um, Very but good. he yelled wrist lock in my ear. And I thought maybe I was doing <laughs> something illegal. So I kind of stopped. But I'd already got my points then, and it was sudden death, so I'd already won. Uh, right? Yeah. And so I'm standing on the mat, facing my next opponent, and I get a tap on the shoulder, and I'm told I didn't win that match. And what had happened was um, the, the, the opponent's coach went and griped directly to Kip Kohler. Asked him to put on a shirt. And then said, hey, <laughs> do you want to look at this videotape? And he, so he presented a videotape and said, hey, the ref missed points during the first round. And I saw, I looked at it, I still have the tape. And, okay, that might be true that, I don't know, he got a sweep or something early. And, but there was a moment where I almost had the dude's back. And they pulled us back into the ring. And yeah. I lost my hook. Right, so I didn't get my right. back points. So... Yeah point is you can sit there and gripe about shit like that all the yeah. whole time after you can't, the fact yeah, after is the fact. preposterous yeah you can't do that and so uh, it, not only preposterous but also unprecedented i've never heard of that ever happening to anybody <laughs> but the thing was the dude was from um chicago and he was with the coach was carlson gracie jr which is the one that was based the one of the Carlos or Carlo Hino, one of the Gracies was in Chicago. Yeah, he's the one that doesn't look like any of them. He looks real toady, <laughs> and he was like the he was like the first Valley Tudo Gracie. Okay, okay. I think he was like a mistress's kid or something. Yeah, but he's of that older generation, and so it was it was his kid, and he had just passed the the. The dad had just passed, and he, so he's wearing a shirt that says "Rip Carlos mm-hmm. Gracie Jr." or whatever. Right. And so he talked to Kip Kohler and got my win taken away. So that was my horrible story. That's and bullshit. the fact that we showed up at 9 a.m. for the weigh-ins. Everybody got weighed in. I went and used the bathroom and noticed there's one toilet for this whole gymnasium. I don't know how many competitors there were, but um, maybe hundreds. And by 902, that thing was wrecked. <laughs> so <laughs> wait, not one for men and one for women. I'm or, assuming. Yeah. yeah, yeah this yeah, was, there was a, there was a okay. boat men's and women's, yeah, but yeah, yeah that, didn't, didn't you, survive. Didn't you, the poor thing. Didn't you, uh, like see somebody in there barefoot or whatever. Wasn't that you that told that story that you were you went to find the restroom? Um, maybe. Tell the story. I'll just tell <laughs> we'll, a story. We'll pretend that it happened. <laughs> okay. I swear that was you that when we first recorded because I, I remember us At repeating that pati- it, or maybe we that, were just making it up because we were good and drunk for that. I don't mm, remember. I got a quote. Yes, okay. I'm not sure about what. I remember seeing my opponent that. Because he, I was facing my opponent the second match. My first opponent, who I'd beaten, I saw him in the locker room later in the yeah, bathroom, okay, and he was yeah. showering. But um, the toilet 
had kind of overflowed a little bit, so barefoot <laughs> would have been a bad idea. Anyhow, it's a bad idea. Yeah. Good load. So they're slightly... He got smoked by the next dude. In fact, the next dude, um, he ended up opening anyway, opening his own gym too. Yeah, because he, he he smoked the same dude smoked me at another tournament. That one was in also in Milwaukee. That was with Ish and a couple, a handful of other guys. And that one was the, the, the tournament. I shouldn't have done it, but they asked me to ref. <laughs> but, you know, I wasn't prepared to ref really. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know if anybody here is refed, but it's like more stressful than actual competing. Oh, yeah, for right? sure. It's super stressful. The competition's on your shoulders over and over. Yeah, and, and you got, you got some over. chick at the, um, timers table going that was points it's like oh, shut up would you um <laughs> yeah right it's like mind your beeswax so that that one was by the end of the like nobody they were all a bunch of you know this is rural kind of outside of milwaukee and i think and um they were using the old wrestling mat the big mm-hmm. giant wrestling mat and they'd sort of cordon off sections, but people were just walking all over the mat. So by the end of the tournament, it was just covered in road salt because it's winter time. So people are just dragging in road salt into what the, the thing. Fuck? Seriously? <laughs> yeah. So I didn't have to roll around, but there were some people there. It was just like it was on the mat. You were getting some something in your eye, probably. But um, oh, yeah, so I didn't do well at that tournament because I was tried to ref. That was a bad idea. You you were competing and refing? Yeah. So that's, I ref and then gross. I was like and then it was like three in the afternoon and I'd ref for a couple hours and uh, then I competed and just mind was not into it. For sure. It's <laughs> exhausting doing that, like refing and doing that kind yeah. of stuff. It was a terrible idea. Yeah. No, I learned that lesson. I did a bunch of refing for the sub hunts. I was just going to ask you, you were, you were involved in the old sub hunts. Yeah. You competed too? I, a little bit, but it got to the point where it was just, I was running into the same people. Same people. I remember you saying that again. before. And yeah. I was um, probably more help refing too than competing. Although I saw there were some people that would do both. Some of the guys that were training, I just couldn't do it. Yep. When, when did you get your black belt? Do you remember? Uh, December 2014. Almost almost the year, 15 years to the day when I got, I started according to my little yeah, yeah. badge that I got from Minnesota Martial Arts Academy. I like that answer. Yeah. 15 years. I like that. So. I've had, had so many people on here like, yeah, seven years. Yeah, eleven years, nine years. I'm like Jesus, bro. Well, I start, I start counting the number of years I've been wearing a blue belt, and I'm like, what? Get the fuck out of here, guys. Uh, yeah, I think for the modern generation, you can find mature schools and you can train every night of the week. Yeah, three different schools if you wanted to. Right. But like when I was coming up, like uh, when Greg started teaching class, he was a blue belt. Yeah. Same with Ishmael. And probably like three nights a week availability kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some of the guys, for sure, there was could train a lot harder. But um, yeah, it's tough to find people to train with. And then, you know, one thing that, even though it took me 15 years, one thing is I've been part of a relatively stable gym. 
right? Imagine if you had to rely on Gracie Bajas, you know, that pop right. up and then they disappear. And Your best okay, option is a fly-by-night place. It's, it's going to be tough to really move that. Yeah, so that's the one thing I appreciate about the continuation of Minnesota Martial Arts Academy and then M-Theory is that it's kind of a stable base to work from. Um, and I think in my case, I think I was a purple belt for like eight years or something like that. It was that. mostly purple belt. <laughs> it was mostly yeah. purple belt. <laughs> and that, uh, that at the time was they weren't doing a super good job of like belt ranking people. When I started, Pedro Sauer came in like once a year to right. do belt tests. Right. I remember Brian talking about that. Like he legitimately waited till he was around. Yeah. And then um, Pedro's affiliation just got so huge. We didn't really see him anymore. And then it kind of, they didn't have the whole sign-in system. No one was really tracking Matt Howers and stuff. And, right. and it was Rodrigo was the one that gave me my um, brown belt. After, I think it was at my Chicago. I played in Chicago, one of the Chicago Opens or something. So it was Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. And um, he was a black belt at the time. He was tr- training and instructing at Minnesota Martial Arts Academy. But he's really the one that gave me my brown belt. Oh, that's cool. Now you, that that's IBJJF then. What's that? The Chicago Open. Yeah, it was. That's the one I did. No one showed up for my division. Oh, that's good. So I got oh, the gold. Easy win, baby. Yeah, Let's go. and so I got into the absolute. I got a silver. I beat my first guy and lost to the second on points. That was funny too. That was early on in IBJJF, so the refs weren't super pro. And I remember my match was at the end of the night. And as soon as the bell rung, dude, ref walked over to the table, grabbed his backpack, and he was out of there. <laughs> he just walked off. He was a report scores. Yeah, right? he's just like, zoop. <laughs> That's funny. They're, they're pretty good now, it seems like. I Yeah, I would recommend um, the IBJJF stuff. That's another thing, too. That's why people can advance so much, is they can find competitions everywhere, yeah. right? And they can kind of prove themselves that way. It's gyms everywhere. There's black belts YouTube's. everywhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's too. other access to stuff and then access to competitions. It's just from today, you go back 10 years, gigantic difference. It seems mm-hmm. like. So that's why. That's why it took me 15 years. Yeah. I know. I love it, man. I, I want more every, every man versions of getting a black belt. It's fucking sick. But I really. I sprained my knee one time kind of bad. I was off for a couple months. Um, I mean, I took like two weeks off. I trained this morning. But for the most part, it's been pretty steady twice a week, I'd say, on average, even during that time. Yeah. So, And again, it's stability of the gym. It's nice yeah. to have. That's the worst injury you've had? Um, just about, uh, you know, I got arthritic <laughs> shoulder now. My shoulder kind of is not looking super good under x-ray. Um, but don't x-ray it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> don't look at it like that. Somebody just told me they tested positive for COVID. I was like, are you sick? He's like, well, no. I'm like, well, don't test, bro. Then you don't have it. Same Who's deal. randomly testing for COVID? No, he, he did wake up with some sniffles oh. and got paranoid. I was like, dude, that you, allergies. It's called, called being sick used to happen all the time, bro. Don't worry about it. Anyway, yeah. Stop, Are you ready for them to bring here. masks back? Don't even. Yeah. We'll cut this out. No. <laughs> we don't need to <laughs> get flagged. Or something. <laughs> yeah, we'll cut that People out. People are anxious, man. They want a, they want a mm. mask. 
Do you, do, hold on. A sprained knee and, and a cranky shoulder now? That's a little cranky it? shoulder, a uh, bunch of black eyes. Uh, I got cut once. Um, I have an arthritic wrist, but that was unrelated to jujitsu. Um, is that a euphemism? What is it? <laughs> no, no. I hit it with a hammer. Oh. <laughs> if you must know. <laughs> Why? Um, I was rent of, I had a house that needed a bunch of, I was doing a bunch of, you know, weekend warrior remodeling and stuff. And I, as I recall, I don't remember the actual injury. Um, when it happened, I, was, I think I was holding up a piece of plywood and trying to hammer or something, and it hit me right on the what is the the, the bump, the ulna or whatever is the little bump That's on the your bump. wrist. It's called yeah. the bump. You kind of see it; sort mm. of looks gnarly. Mm. Um, but it wasn't like until like two years later. I know my wrist. I'd sometimes wake up and my wrist would just feel weird and kind of get locked a little bit, like I couldn't move it. And I remember what finally is. I have someone I have someone look at this because. Uh, there was a black belt came into town and it was one of Pedro Sowers, but the kid was like 18. He just, he was trained with Pedro his whole, you know, he started when he was 12 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and um, he was also a gymnast. So his warm up consisted of like cartwheels and walking on your hands. And of course, nobody could do this stuff. <laughs> of course. We're all doing, some of us are trying. I'm kind of trying. I can do a cartwheel, you know, that sort of thing, but I can't walk on my hands or anything like this. But, and that's when I realized, man, there's something weird going on with my wrist. And it turned out I had some, what they call loose bodies. And there were little chunks of bone that had uh, cartilage had built up around it, which is, I guess, typical of the body is to sort of carp- compartmentalize. Like yeah, the scar tissue around this bone that's floating around in the, they call it loose bodies. And... um yeah, so I had these things, and it was essentially blocking my wrist because I had this thing. It was about the size of a thumbnail in my wrist. It was kind of gnarly. I got to watch the whole surgery. So, yeah, they gave me a local anesthetic, and then they had a screen going on, and they got uh, the surgeon, watched the surgeon sort of open up my wrist, and at one point... Couldn't get the thing out. She started sort of really jamming on my wrist, dude. This like, is why they put people under. I, I was just gonna say, man, you got you got cheated. The best part about surgery is going to sleep. Really? For sure. I didn't feel it. It was a weird sensation. My arm was outstretched, but it felt like it was in a different position, kind of thing. Sure, that it was, was like almost detached. In yeah, a weird way. Yeah. Um. So, how many total years of jujitsu have you done? Just the fifteen, or wait, no, what years? We got a black belt at fifteen oh. years. You're going on twenty four. You're going on twenty four. Yeah, it'd be going on. Well, it was in December of nineteen ninety nine, so essentially two thousand. So twenty three years, right? What yeah. year is it? Twenty. Take a one. Twenty three years of jujitsu, mm-hmm. and you had a sprained knee. And your shoulder is cranky, even though you moved it fine. As you well, said you can that. hear it Let me and put some it black eyes, dude. That's fucking miraculous. Yes. Are you out of your mind? What did you guys suffer? Huh? What have you guys suffered? The odds of doing anything for 20 fucking years and being like, yeah, one time I sprained my knee. That's nuts. That one, I did it at a tournament. You can hear it. That's not a sprain, bro. What? It was sprained. Oh, okay. But what did you hear then? (laughs) A big pop. (laughs) 
It's not a spray. <laughs> I don't know. It swelled up for a few days and was sore for a couple weeks. That's a sprain, right? Okay. It got some purple around it. Yeah. It was actually uh, my claim to fame, my nemesis, who had uh, the guy named, he fought in the UFC. He was from Canada. Christoph Zerinskis. He had a bunch of Z's in his last name. That's bad marketing. That's why you don't remember. It, He's been in movies. It's like henchman. He was in Logan. He was the first guy to get decapitated by the the little girl. Porzingis? Am I remember that? No. Maybe. I remember it was Steve Wiseman and I the night before the tournament. It was a sub hunt. They were doing it at the Collie Group. And Steve Wiseman and I, I was trying to make weight for some reason. Don't do that. Fuck all that. Yeah. And so Steve and I are doing a little bit of sparring and this Christoph Zerinsky shows up and he's like 220 or something, a ball headed guy. Steve and I just look at each other and just stop. We're like, I don't need to, we don't need to worry about weight classes anymore. Yeah. And sure enough, I get, he's in my division and, um, I got on my back and I was, I don't know what I was trying to do. I think I was trying to like get it a straight ankle lock. And he just sort of pushed, kept pushing my knee down, my leg down. So pop. And that was my sprain. But that's really about the worst thing that I can think of. I haven't been hospitalized or anything. Well, yeah, I would hope not. But it just seems wild. Like, I think that's fairly typical of most people. No. Right? Have you had like knee injuries and stuff like that? I tore my MCL. Tore my pec tendon that I had to have surgery on. Those are the biggest. But then that was all jujitsu. Yeah. Then dislocated fingers. Maybe I gotta reconsider how I'm rolling. I don't know. No, don't. Just keep doing that. Yeah, man. I think I have a bit of advantage. Oh, herniated disc in my back. That was the fucking worst. Neck. Yeah, neck thing too. Or was that the same? But that herniated disc in my back was the. Is that something that goes away? Yeah, but now it comes back. Can it? Just even drilling yesterday morning in class, like we were doing, I was holding mount, and uh, guy was trying to like. You're, you're on mount, and you're the one in pain, right? What yeah, man. Like I trying to stay because he was trying to, you know, shrimp out or trying to escape, and just like you're going fucking mount, and all of a sudden I just felt something in my back. Yeah, so yeah, man. it's just now I've it's had just a couple dumb. of those moments too, where it's just like ah, something tweaks, it's, but it's hurt. I've had things hurt, and then I've had things injured. Like two different, you know what I'm saying? Like he got, ooh, that's a little weird. I'm gonna skip a day or two, and then it's fine, and you yeah. never think about it again. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about injured. No, a sprain. Really, knee. your ears look really good too. Um, uh, yeah, I got a little bit of the cauliflower in the left ear. Um, some of it's fairly recent. Um, why? What's the why? Why is it kicking in now? Um. Someone tried to tear my ear off. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> with, a, makes sense. with a lame loop choke. Dixon. <laughs> I won't name any names. Don't do it. But <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, no, so that, maybe that I've awesome. been just super lucky. I don't know. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for you, man. Also, 23 years. Yeah, it's just kind of, you just, it's like getting jumped in. You just start showing up and. I don't know what else I'd do in terms of exercise. Learn to jump rope or something. <laughs> of all the things to get. <laughs> seems like a good exercise, yeah. right? Good cardio, I suppose. Yeah. Nice calves. Something I don't know how to do. Yeah. 
back to the whole not being super athletic. I think jujitsu is sort of in a weird way is easy like that, right? You can just show up and train, right? You don't have to necessarily be good. That's a weird way to put it. You just be a good training partner, learn the language of jujitsu. You don't have to be super fluent. But you guys have rolled with people that have started out as white belt and they're kind of scarier as a white belt to when they start to move in a blue belt because now you kind of, they're predictable, more predictable because you're both speaking the same language. Oh, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you yeah. start to move smart, you realize I was moving in wild and like inconsistent and irresponsible ways before. Yes, it will certainly as yourself, but your opponents too. You can kind of right, see right. where guys will like they start to calm down in a sense. So, in a weird way, yeah, you kind of sort of can. Well, yeah, I rolled. I rolled Friday morning at Hamel Jiu Jitsu, and uh, my technically toughest round was with Matt Tall, purple belt dude. But like the wildest round was with some young kid. With a stripe on his belt, mm-hmm. his white belt. Yeah. And it was like, I didn't even bother chasing him. I just let him <laughs> run around me, escaped, pinned a leg, climbed on top. Because it was like, this is nuts. This is <laughs> out of control. I'm not going to chase you here. Take my back. I'm just going to slip out. Because it was like a gear I'm just not even interested in moving in. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Yeah. Especially with the inaccuracy and the flailing. You get a the, thumb you know, in the just, eye. Yeah, I was just going to say there was fingers flying yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. Have the back. Anyway. Yep. Knee in the Just jaw. Don't grab my fingers. That too. That, that, you get that one. That happens a lot with the new white belt. Grab the fingers. I feel like. Or you. It's sort of a weird thing to explain. You can't grab inside the sleeve. You know, that's a common thing for, for new new people to. Oh, grab I still do in the pant legs. I love that grip. It's illegal. Well, you can Only achieve the same design with just cuffing it. You go the opposite way. I know. I understand. Yeah. It's just simpler, that's easier, illegal. faster. Yeah. It's only as long as you're competing. Yeah. yeah. The refs. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like, well, on the street, I could grab all kinds of sleeves. Yeah. I think I, that, that would have been tra- <laughs> uh, trained out of me, though, like in some sort of street altercation. I'd be like, okay, don't grab inside the sleeves. <laughs> you know, you look up to see if you're getting your points, you know. <laughs> no, but I, but I mean, like, if, like, if you were rolling with somebody at the gym, say, I said, say this morning, uh-huh. somebody, like, grabbed inside your pants, would you correct them and be like, hey, man? Um, that depends. I don't think I would. No. I mean, unless they were, like, a brand new white belt that you were trying to, like, help yeah. with something. But otherwise... I might mention it after class if that was like their whole after rolling to say, hey, by the way, you're you can't do that in competition. Oh, I'd so always cool. tell them, hey, every, it's all fair on the street, you know, do what you want, but competition. If I'm using anything resembling my jujitsu skills in a real life situation, quote unquote, on the street, that's the least illegal thing that's going to be involved in that altercation. <laughs> sure. Fuck, bro. Get away from me, man. Somebody's getting stabbed. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not trying to know. choke anyone. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't grab that. Well, anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, D- Greg Nelson, would. he's got upwards of three knives on him at all times. Mm-hmm. You know, here's this guy that could choke people out, could do all kinds of crazy crap. And um, Matt's is on the... Stand there. What's something about? Your knife. 
Oh, my, my knife? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got one, too. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't carry a knife, but, I mean, that's what... Yeah, it's all fair on the street, right? Yeah. So, and we, we, all, we, all, we all know that the, the whole... Someone pulls out a knife that changes everything. Right. Right. Somebody about to die. Yeah. It's not good. No boy. Bueno. Swing it wildly. <laughs> It'll work. You've yeah. got to be good. You just got to land it. Yeah. So in terms of like a self-defense, uh, maybe at a club or something that might be good. What? Jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu is a piece of self-defense for sure. Yeah. Like people get a little excited about what training some sport jiu-jitsu gym you know but it's a piece of it for sure you know you're fighting ryan potter bomb on the street you know his buddies are going to show up and try to beat you up <laughs> <laughs> i just bumped into potter bomb at whitey's the other week oh whitey's is that place guys. still open yeah man it's right there i mean you throw a rock from the balcony and hit oh it. nice that's cool. I thought that, um, yeah, I was looking around and there's so many buildings going up. Everything's getting demolished, but Whitey's still open. Nye's, that they tore that down, didn't they? Yeah, there's a new one. It's right over there. Oh, okay. Nye's there. this way. Over there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where I am in the building. Yeah, so they, they put a new building up and closer to the original Nye's is where Sondershaker is now. And then the new Nye's is like a half a block down oh. or a block down. What does it look like where they just... What's that look like? Same sign. The, the new nice? Yeah. No, way smaller. It looks like, remember I the said sign? same sign. Sorry. Oh, okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never been in either of them. Okay. Um, yeah, the new nice. The new nice is cool. I like going there. It's just it, just booze. There's no food. They still have a piano. Oh, really? They still have a piano in the back, so piano karaoke at seven days a week. Mm. Um, bartenders just are cool. Good God. No, it's, I, I like it. I, I like going there. And piano karaoke. Having beers or having drinks. Well, Occasionally, yeah. when I choose that, the old guys was wild. <laughs> you tuned <laughs> out a little bit. I thought yeah, there was a got, story yeah, coming off. No, <laughs> I've been there a handful it's of like times. You drifted into nostalgia. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna think about the, ask about the band. Remember, they had that corner where they shoved a couple of old people in, and one played a banjo or something, and a the, squeeze, the world's smallest. Band that or was, something like that. That was like the side. That was a sidebar of it. Yeah, but that wasn't considered nice. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it was. But they had like the two rooms. But mm-hmm. the main room had the old like piano. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people get up there and sing. Be annoying. Is <laughs> the episode title? Yeah, people get up there and sing. <laughs> uh, do you teach jujitsu? Was there periods where you taught? Do you teach at? I uh, did MTT. Or something? I did. Um. Yeah, I no taught. No gi too, right? Uh, was there a no gi class in there? Yeah, on occasion, I was scheduled like on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I think it was. That Somebody was been. just recently telling me this, and I was like, "Rocco, no gi." Yeah, I've never oh, seen you. my no gi is the same as my gi. You know, it's the same stuff. Just grab the wrist instead. Yeah, of the, grab instead the wrist of the instead of grab the collar, back of the head. You know, same. Similar concepts. It's just unusual because I, I don't think I've ever seen you roll no gi. That's what people say, but I do it. Yeah. I do it. The goat. I just don't. Co- I'm just not exclaiming it to everyone. Co- couple weeks ago against Instagram. the goat, right? <laughs> huh? A couple weeks ago against the goat. Nick. Oh Nick yeah, Nick Thompson. Take, take yeah, he's tough. Did he's I, rec- I think I recorded that. I think you did too. I think I recorded it. Yeah, we're gonna put that. Cut on that the part out. Yeah. <laughs> the, the roll. Tapped. And that wasn't that was a no gi. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, because he shows up on Saturday, yeah. and he's driving like I don't know how long he's driving. And he's like, "Well, I've got my dogie." Hey, he's looking like, around. Right. He started shouting. He's like, "Who wants to roll dogie?" Everybody's like looking and picking their nails. Like, and of course, oh, you know, he goes way back to MMMA days yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So he's like, "Well, you want to do some dogie with me?" I'm like, "Not really," but then I do. Yeah, he's a big dude, big strong good, guy. He's got role. a he's got a good pedigree MMA. I mean, he's been on national TV. He won the oh, man. He beat Eddie Alvarez. Did he beat yeah. Eddie Alvarez? Yeah, and then he fought. Um, and then he did the Bodog. I don't know if anybody remembers. I think Bodog. I think that was the one. I was think it? that's what he beat Eddie Alvarez for the for the belt. I oh, think I'm almost lived organization, but yeah, he's got a good pedigree for sure. So I don't mind losing to him. Nobody's not winning and losing. You're just guys are just rolling. A couple of old timers rolling. Lost, okay. He definitely lost. I, mean, uh-huh. I didn't want to like go into it, but cut that part out. Yeah, you you guys will slap hands and then you'll slap hands again. That's the whole video. Cut the whole okay, roll good. out. <laughs> That's a good one. But you did teach, huh? But like, yeah, at MTT, and then um, even before that, I was teaching. I mean, if you're talking about like, hey, you're showing up and you're leading class sort of deal was at um it was a place called focus karate and it was greg nelson's brother's wife was his sister-in-law was a karate instructor interesting and so she ran this club called focus Ju- no focus karate over in um kind of lower sort of close by alliance in that corner mm-hmm. and um, real small gym, mostly karate people. They wanted to start some jujitsu. Greg's brother did a little bit of jujitsu and they had hired, um, I don't know if I'll drop another name, but a guy named Josh Lebstock, who was a former uh, Warriors Cove weirdo. And um, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, Whatever. uh so he was teaching there, but he got into some sort of mix-up with the Warriors Cove about, uh, this was the story I was told, I don't know yeah. how legit it was, but somehow he wasn't allowed to teach or some kind of... Non-compete yeah, type of thing. Yeah, some nonsense, which is like, <laughs> I'd like to see these guys as lawyers fight about <laughs> non-compete, like what the damages were, and like, <laughs> yeah. let, me t- let me see, I'm interested in this litigation, but... Um, so stupid. Yeah, so dumb. So they felt like they needed to hire somebody else to run class. Um, and so uh, I started running class, and it was, you know, typical kind of squirrely setup or a super small mat. And one day, one person would show up, or another day, some dude would bring his kid brother in and tell you about how he's going to be UFC champion. And then you never see him again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, great start. Yeah. Doing jujitsu. Let's yeah. see. <laughs> like, never see the guy again. Yeah. Uh, that sort of stuff. Or like a karate guy would show up and be like, I'm interested in this jujitsu. That's how they sound, too. Yeah. That's how karate guys sound. Sit on the ground picking their toes. And it's like, okay, man. But the thing was, this was a really small mat. And again, it would be like two, three people would show up, maybe four. And I mean, I like Josh. He's a good dude. I've seen him around town and stuff. Uh, we actually had a couple of matches against him, sub hunt days. But, um, but he would show up too, even though technically he wasn't supposed to instruct, but he was there to train. But he wouldn't take my class. 
he would just kind of start up his own class. <laughs> so I, there was a couple of times where I'm teaching class and I have a student body of four. And then by the end of class, I have a student body of one because they've all sort of gravitated towards Josh. <laughs> and Josh had this kind of, he's got kind of like a guru personality. He's got a bunch of tattoos. And then he was doing Nogi. And that's what more, you know, people yeah. get excited. They feel like that's a fast track to jujitsu, right. I think, it's sometimes. Cooler. Yeah, it's cooler. Yeah. There are no geese on the street, that sort of thing. Yeah, nobody's dressed on the street. In yeah. Coats or pants or anything. Everybody walks around topless and shorts. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, so that was kind of weird. And eventually, it just sort of, I just drifted off. I was like, I can't do this anymore. That's um, the best answer to have you taught jujitsu ever. <laughs> Now, let me tell you. <laughs> so that you? was, but I did that for maybe like, it was about a year yeah. maybe or so. And they paid me and everything. So it was fine. But then um, MTT opened up and they were looking to build up their jujitsu. Mm -hmm. And so like Frank Howe went over there to teach and um, Tao Lee went over there to teach. And then I did two. And I did that for about three years or so. Oh, wow. Okay. Like that, two years maybe. That was a good experience. I like working with those guys. Yeah, and it was a nice little bump. You know, they, Jeremy are, is uh, real generous and kind of likes to see his gym doing stuff. So yeah, he was happy to as one does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so did, it was cool. Did yeah. you see Franco when he was in town the other day? Yeah, I said he hello. Showed up on the mat. Did you roll or anything? No, I didn't get a chance to. We had a long line of. Dance partners, yeah, yeah, other people I hadn't seen him in a while. This oh. was like what three weeks ago or something, something like that. that yeah. yeah, and I don't know him, but I just remember people going, "Oh crap!" You know, yeah, it's been a while. had him. Yeah, it was coincidental because a couple of weeks before, I had one of his training partners from New York come into town, who I work with, um, and so he wanted to train. And it was like, wait a minute, you're in, <laughs> you're over in New York, and you're at um, the um, who's it, uh, Marcelo Garcia's. I think, right? Yeah, it's Marcelo Garcia. Because that, that was the guy that gave um, Rick was his name. And so Rick was like, that was the last time I did Nogi because Rick was excited about that. And the thing about Rick is he's like, not my boss, but like two bosses up. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, yeah, totally. I'm into Nogi. I yeah. love that. I do it all the time. <laughs> kissing ass. Yeah, kissing a little butt. But uh, no, he's a good dude. And he knew Frank out. So that was weird. And then it was like Frank out showed up a couple of. Right. Weeks later, just, that's cool always how the him. universe works. The other thing about it too was Rick had competed against um, Colin Brown Belt Colin. Oh yeah, they redid that picture. Yeah, so that's they had a, okay. They, had a, yeah. they yeah. I yeah, I think he did like a recreation of one of the yeah. pictures or something yeah. like that. I didn't see that because there's they, a point he's, he's got up under the chin with the forearm, and Colin's just got this just nightmarishly terrified face. So that and it's a great photograph. Oh, okay. It's from a tournament. It's a, you know clearly from a photographer. So they. They reenacted it. It was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah, I seem to recall that. Um, yeah. And that was when they were like blue belts, and you were talking about Rick has already a black belt, so he was a white belt when Franco moved out there. And so he trained pretty much his whole career with Adam and all the way up to the black belt. That, that couldn't have been that long ago, right? I think it was about 10 years ago. Really? Yeah. Cause it I've feels been, like not. Maybe it was seven. Yeah, because I've been in M-Theory for seven and a half, almost eight years. Uh -huh. And I think Adam was still there when I first started going. I don't know him was well, it? but I'm almost positive he was still there when. That could be the case. I first started going. 
So now we're talking about another guy who got his black belt in seven, in seven or eight years. Yeah. Years. God damn. Yeah. I met a handful of those guys. I went out to Pedro's camp in Brazil. There was a handful of those guys that got their black belts yeah. in pretty short it's order. It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Just despite my negativity, it's awesome. <laughs> well, like for instance, Rick, he uh, he talked about it. he competed a bunch IBJJF, and then he was doing even the ADCC trials. You know, just getting in there, getting in the mix, and so like we were saying before, a lot of opportunities to do the jujitsu experience for sure. Tell me about Toe Bros. <laughs> we got to do it. We got to do it. <laughs> Where is yours prominently? displayed we're in the backup apartment yeah, or the condo. Yeah. you gotta Paulie's put it got the a, real condo. next to the oscar we're in the honeycomb hideout over here <laughs> <laughs> it's literally next to my bed right now like, is it if you walk over there <laughs> give it a little kiss <laughs> i'd say i called yours paulo though didn't i yep yeah i was gonna try to do the the original toe bros were all la they're all the first names end in o yeah. Right. So I was gonna try to keep that. Like I called yours, Mateo. Yeah. Um, but awesome. that's just impossible. You know, with everybody's different names. So. No, I think it's funny. You just keep it going. Doesn't you matter. You can't just put O's on the end Max of people's o. names. Why not? <laughs> or you come close to it. Or well, something. I think I Some put other. Max Bolo on his. So that's there an O. Go. That's an O. And then um, no, it's just one with Ish, and of course a Hako. Put the Hako one up, but. Yeah, that's just too difficult to do. What is the genesis of the Tobros? Um, okay, first of all, say your Instagram handle. R Basil Projects. Is there dots in there or some shit? R, yeah, it's R dot Basil Projects. Yeah, but you got to spell the Basil. R dot B A S I L E Projects. Yep. It so, was so people are gonna look this up. We'll get you some followers. Oh yeah, whatever, you think so? No, three, three people. Well, it'd be interesting that it's Toe Bros for yeah. sure. They got to get on my good side if they want one. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> like what? I mean, I remember a few years ago, you, like I was new guy, and I pestered you in the DMs because you put up these sketches of these little toe figurines. Uh-huh. I was like, dude, you got to make me one of those. <laughs> like, do a caricature of me as a toe. But like, what's with the toe? You, I think, are gonna be the last bearded toe. Oh yeah, yeah. Is it was the wild card for the 3D printer or what? No, just eh, it doesn't really. It kind of feels pasted on. Like, how do you? Yeah. I think the toe bros are going to be mostly bald. Yeah, just yeah. Go go with certain characteristics, but don't alter the toe. Yeah, I mean the human toe might have what, like one or two knuckle hairs. What is the big which could be consistent? <laughs> could be except for a couple of these guys. I don't know if you yeah, look at the feet uh, a lot. True. Some, well, I, most of the most I try feet. not. That's the the irony of the toe bros is I'm like I don't want to look at toes. <laughs> so you get the dudes with the corn chips and stuff oh. rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Paulie's got a feet problem too. So oh no, to the throw fungus. Look at him. Uh, oh, you, no, no, he doesn't no. have a foot problem. <laughs> Do you have, to, you have a, no. something to admit to us no. today? No, no I, I'm grossed out by feet, man. That was his big hangup when he first started rolling jujitsu. Yeah. was walking on the mat barefoot. Yeah, I could. Oh, really? I could, that, yeah. that was the thing. Hands wow. down, was the worst part. Like there are, I still don't enjoy. There are those the drills that I dread. There's a few of those moves where you have to like hook the foot under the chin and stuff, and it's like I don't want to drill this one. That's the premium pricing package, in my opinion. What what are we doing? Put I seriously. So this this is true. This is true. So I have jujitsu socks. So like the socks that I wear to class. Don't the I don't wear those planet guys wear socks? 
Oh no no no! no, no. I don't I don't mean I wear them on the mat. I'm saying like the socks that I wear to class Uh and the sneakers that I wear to class. (laughs) Yeah, I don't wear for anything else other than going to and from the gym. Okay, that's a beautiful combination of really smart and fucking crazy. (laughs) No, not crazy because um, I have the same sort of thing. You know, you kick off your shoes in the in the in the front door there and then i'm walking to the locker room in my socks and i've come home in those socks thinking these socks have soaked up gross some gross filth. shit yeah and but on the flip side it's that's what socks are for right uh, i don't know what are socks and then you're afraid you're afraid yeah. now if you put them in the wash now that wash is full of sock I germs just, well i just i just feel like those are tainted socks no, now no, and i don't want to wear them all day long I got gotcha. um, you. Like, I love that song, "Tainted Socks." <laughs> Paulie's gonna now. I, I seriously, when I walk, so when I get home from class and go to the shower, once I take my shoes off, I do this tiptoe. Oh, he's on the the side edges of his feet. <laughs> Why not? I've seen some people right after class just do like a sanitize wipe sort of deal. Good you idea. Could, you could be a weirdo like that. I don't do that. I just go home and shower. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't... If you're going to sanitize, wipe your feet, make sure you put your mask on first. Right. Cover all your bed. Oh, my God. The weirdest... Uh, since we're kind of going this way, the weirdest thing is seeing people in their gi toss shoes on and, like, head out, hop in the car, and leave. This aren't dude you, do that? No. Aren't you sweaty and hot and disgusting and just leeching all that man sweat into the seat of your car and all that? Yes. What, is it, what uh, the fuck? Uh, there was a guy. Um, I got his name right. Zuhir. He mm-hmm. would. He was known to like he go would, to the grocery store with his gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good dude. Was, yeah, yeah. That was that was the legend. Anyway, he, he was I the guy that showed it. up with the gear. And you're like, what happened? Well, I had a. a I had a debate with, not really a debate, but a discussion with Potterbomb about inside pants and outside pants, right? So, ghee pants, it's like pajamas, right? You're not supposed to be wearing your pajamas to the movies, even though that Correct. would be very comfortable. Because now you got the outside germs... Now you're going to crawl into bed with these filthy pajamas you're along correct. your lines of the socks. No, right? you're correct. 100%. Right. So you're not doing that. And so if you're walking to to the gym in your gi pants, those are now outside pants. So you're getting anything from bird crap to filth from the street, road salt, any kind of, oh, just the environment to destroy those. 100% true. And then the filth gathers, and now you're dragging it into the mat. Because you've this? taken your outside pants and now put them uh, inside pants. So then <laughs> you accuse me. I don't do that, but what I would do is sometimes... Um, I would wear my key pants and then put some sweats over them. So now the sweats are outside pants, but the ghee pants are That's still right. inside You're pants. Correct. Yes. Now that you say that, <laughs> yes. I have seen you put those sweats over. And I, sometimes I'll tuck the cuffs into my socks. So you make are my sweats easier to pull out. Yes. Dork supreme, bro. That is fucking wild. Is it so much? Yeah. I think is. that's legitimate. No, I agree. Inside pants, no, outside I pants. Have, yep. Like, how about, how who about, here wears their shoes in the house? Bro, no way. Okay. I mean, like in a pinch, you're running in the house, grab something right. real quick. Okay. But like walking around in your yeah, house. That's no, the, it's the same thing. Now you got your 
You might as well be wearing your shoes around. Yeah, but I wear I wear my flip flops in the house too, though. But those flip flops those are outside of the house, right? So those are my bare feet. My bare feet. The only time they touch a floor is in the shower and and at jujitsu now. Huh? There was probably a stretch for twenty years where my bare feet never touched a floor other than the shower. (laughs) I um. I don't like walking around bare feet in my house. No, man. That's just because the floor like. kind of sticky. I just I wear uh, socks all the time. You hire somebody to clean your fucking disgusting floor. The what? floors aren't disgusting. It's just natural adhesion between human flesh. <laughs> yeah, foot, and, foot oils and, and such. Yeah. How about on, this? Natural. Since since we we've bumped into some problems. Inside pants, outside pants. I mean, that's that's an equation for Boots sure. And but pants. That might tell tell me this. That. Tell me this. You, you mo a lot of people rock the sandals in jujitsu. You step off the mat, you slip on some slippers, right? Yeah. Some what do you call slides Slide. or thongs, whatever yeah, these sandals slides. are called these days, I'm right? Not a big thong guy. And you go to the you go to the bathroom and you kick them off. Well, why why would you kick them off in the bathroom? No, I'm sorry. You go to the bathroom oh. and that's complete. Sorry, right. I okay. kind of moved on. And then you yeah, I kick back in the bathroom. <laughs> no, then you head back to the mat. You kick them off. You step on the mat. Yeah. A gigantic majority of the time at every gym I've seen and gone to, people also real quick or regularly just walk around barefoot on that same floor. So the bottom of the sandals was on the pissy, oh yeah, pissy no, there's no regulation. It's a, it's a pissy post kid class floor, and those sandals then walk out onto the floor between the mats and stuff. I'm banging on the table here, and then a bunch of people then walk barefoot on those same spots. Why do they walk barefoot on the spots? They shouldn't. It's disgusting. I don't agree. I agree. No, we're all in. No, it's, because then you step on the mats, and you train footlocks. If you're a savage, I don't, I don't do but that. But I'm saying I don't walk barefoot on that. I know, spot. but I look around at every gym. Yeah, that already happens. There's Trying to no, talk me out of coming back. Thanks. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, we'll get we'll get the luminol out and the woods light, and we'll see what happens. What? <laughs> Watch that place light up like Chernobyl. There should just be <laughs> giant signs everywhere that says, "Are you wearing sandals?" Because there's it's too often that people. Well, the problem is you get the kids in there; they're going nuts. They're going in and out of the bathroom. They don't understand shoes or whatever. They're running back and forth between the mats. So you can only do so much to, with yourself. The environment's out of control. As much as you can do about it. I've never, I've gotten ringworm a couple of times, but I haven't had any serious gnarly. Knock on wood, I haven't got that Like staff or whatever. No. The the bad stuff. Yeah, that's terrifying to me. It seems like if you sensibly clean yourself, like head home, take a good good shower, you're good. Wash that. I don't even need to do that. My filth is way more powerful than everybody else's <laughs> filth. It's like your filth ain't trapped. I'm not trapped with your filth. Your filth is trapped here with me. Wait. No. Your filth. Anyways. You're getting lost in your bullshit there, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, a very Zach Jeffrey laugh right there. Which one? The one you just did. Mine? I did <laughs> yeah. Zach Jeffrey. He's probably listening. That's why he's at. Yeah. This isn't live, is it? No. <laughs> Is that even possible? You, yeah, what's oh, that's possible. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. Yeah, I just watched Pump Up the Volume the other day. Did what? Just watched Pump Up the Volume the other night. Bro, nobody knows what that is. Yeah. Come it's on. It's a deep cut reference. <laughs> Was he he's like a late night talk show host or something? He has a pirate radio. Oh, okay. 
um, precursor. I don't know if we ever finished the Tobro story. I know. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah. Finish I'm ju- all I'm doing is trying to plug your cool thing that you do. Oh, Tobro. yeah. I kept moving yeah. away from it. Yeah. Um, no, the Tobro started out with uh, I studied illustration in college and kind of been messing around with it my whole professional career. I never really I did a few things. But um, so, yeah, I took this class, illustration class, kid lit class and developed this concept of um the toe bros and um i got sort of sidetracked with the 3d printing and so i sort of glued them glued them together thought it was, they'd make cool little maquettes or models so i had learned um i worked in the video game industry for a few years so i learned a bunch of 3d modeling and stuff with that and then during the pandemic, Ishmael hit me up because he had been playing around with the 3D printing technology. And was like, hey, you do this. Um, you do say, the, say it like he would have said it. Hey, you do this uh, 3D design. You're designing with 3D. Um, <laughs> that's a mixture of Drew and Ish. <laughs> both from down there. But yeah. yeah, that's and, e- it's anyway. an easy impression yeah. to do. Yeah. You just raise your voice a little bit and throw in a southern draw. Yeah, yeah. Um, 100%. 100%. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so yeah, it was just kind of fun to start goofing around yeah, and then, uh, hilarious. yeah, I had the Polly and Paulo and Mateo. Do you, do you remember the, the hammer toe? And I did the hammer that toe. Was original sketch when I pestered you. I was like, make me a toe. Yeah. It's like, it was like my Facebook profile picture for a while and stuff. <laughs> oh, it was? Yeah. Yeah. So that was just uh, a curl toe. That's what it was. Cause right. Like, Cause this guy yeah, was cur- yeah, yeah. Yeah, curling. That's trying to mix in the whole toe mix this and that. The so personalities, yeah. um, I have a little bit of a kid's story around the toe bros. Hmm. Um, but I haven't, I haven't finished it yet. Still working on it. Kid, like an actual children's book. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Yeah. And the That's story cool. is the toe bros are in a jam band. Playing yes. bluegrass, toe jam, and yeah, the cho- the to- <laughs> the, the, the toe bros jam band quintet. Yes, this is and awesome. then um, it's so dark. Joe Big Joe Toe decides to go solo, and then the story is about how he gets lonely and misses his band, and then the band misses him, and then they get back together and they play yeah. again. So it's called the Blues Brothers. Yeah. Is it? No. <laughs> it's probably pretty close. Yeah. Well, he does. He goes off and plays the blues and realizes it sucks. Yeah. And he wants to get back to the bluegrass. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it had the word jamming yeah. a lot in it. Yeah. Toe jam. Uh, yeah. Toe jam. And they wanted to jam together, but they weren't jamming. But his one jam didn't jam <laughs> with the other jams. You know, you could go all day with this thing. <laughs> In fact, my first couple of versions, I, I showed it to my nephew, and he's like, there's a lot of jams in here. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's the whole joke. But, yeah, I took a kid's lit class, and they kind of break it down into in terms of the format of a picture book. You're standing. You took a kid's literature class? Yeah, kid. That's awesome. Kid illustration class. Yeah, yeah, because you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to make this book. Let's make it right. Huh? Yeah. And the the woman who taught it, she's got some pretty decent experience. She's published a few books. And she's an illustrator too, and written a couple books. And um, yeah, just playing with that idea of writing a kid's book. And like I said, there's uh, certain formats, uh, picture books. It's usually ten by 
10 inches by 10 inches. Yeah. Yeah. Like and, a stand, yeah. yeah. Like That's 32 pages, um, uh, certain, usually under 800 words, that sort of thing. So they have the, the format for that. Don't rhyme. They say everybody don't rhyme. But then if you look at the, look at the best-selling kids books, they all rhyme. Yeah. I mean, the other problem with kids books is if you look at the top sellers, it's Dr. Seuss, Dr. Seuss, Happy, what is it? Hungry Caterpillar. What is that one book? Um, I know you guys have seen it. But it's more of a preschooler's yeah, yeah. book. But it's, it is the Hungry, it, hungry Caterpillar. Yeah. So, yeah Somebody, Carl is the last, uh, the last name of the guy. Um, and then he's got another one with a bear. And, but it's a, those were published in like yeah. 1976. And right. yet they're still... And then every graduation, it's uh, Dr. Seuss's Oh, the Places this You Will Go, go will yeah. now, hit, now hit the bestseller right. list, you know? We're all so, just victims of nostalgia. So we have kids, and then we read them the same crap that our parents read us. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, let me tell you about the mitten. And you're like, oh, it's been around for 70 years. If you give a mouse a cookie, that's one <laughs> that's always in the... And that one's published a long time ago. There's an un- impenetrable ceiling. Of like, if you were ever to really nail a kid's book, good luck. Because it's like the classics are bust. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. The other thing, too, is publishing industry is consists of about five companies. Yeah, right. And in fact, I think it was like Penguin was going to buy the other. So there's going to be four. So any any book you see out there, is if it's not published directly by Penguin or Random House, it's one of their imprints. Or it's them. Them in yeah. some way or another. And then it's easier to bust into the illustration side of it because you don't need an agent. But for writing a kid's book, you have to have an agent. Like well, some why? What do they do for you? Not sure. It's <laughs> just what you've been heard. Basically they vet take you somehow, I guess. Take a cut. Some way. Take a cut. That's what Certainly for illustrators, you can get a rep who will shop your work around, but it's not a prerequisite to be an illustrator. Whereas with writing to get yourself into one of these publishers, you got to have a, you got to have a guy. Yeah. A guy on the end. I think we know somebody that has an agent. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure John Grills has a writing agent. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 He's had a, a lot of success with his writing. For mm-hmm. sure, I think. Yeah. From what I understand. Yeah. He probably knows the system pretty well. Paulie's saying hit him up is what he's saying. You know, I can't pull the I know a guy because you know him too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should talk to John. That's the one thing that kind of was the hurdle for me. I never considered myself a writer. So right. you got to write your own stories if you want to draw them nowadays. I think is the deal. Interesting. That's strange. You get, you get into any... I'll roughly tie this to jujitsu. Once you get into anything, you realize, okay, there's a vocab list. Well, then there's a weird set of processes and rules that nobody knew existed. You know, it's funny. Yeah, I started looking into the kid lit stuff, and I was like, what's a query? You got to write a query to an agent. It's like, well, what's this agent? A literary agent. Oh, okay. And so you go down this road of... I'm writing about caterpillars. Yeah. Are you an agent? I think, um, yeah, so it's a tough business to navigate to, hmm. I would think. Or you just publish your stuff on Give me uh on what YouTube. Yeah. That's I was gonna say that even. Like it seems like that kind of thing, the sort of centralization of power over an industry would be crumbling more and more and more, you know, with AI, with social media, with just the internet in general. Like 
the gatekeeping, it seems like we could destroy that for so many things. Oh, yeah. And then nowadays, too, um, a big consideration is your social media imprint. So there's a lot of these literary agents that look, they'll dial up people that have got a bunch of followers sure. and then give them opportunities. Yeah, find, find people that have a reach. Or, they have a customer base right now. Mm-hmm. For sure. I just got to add more Tobros to my projects yeah. page and see what happens. The next level is packaging. So I got, um, you know, I made you guys some boxes, but they were kind of real crude. No, I, <laughs> I, dug still, it. I still have it. I thought they <laughs> yeah, were I still have that. Well, I've, come sure. up, I've come up with some better ones, so oh, maybe I can retrofit you. Who, who designs boxes? boxes? Like you from floor up or what? I just, you go to the internet and go, uh, give me a template. I kind of had an idea of what I wanted, like a Funko style, you know, those Funko dolls, the big head yes. vinyl toys, they're everywhere. <laughs> um, so I just kind of like, give me something like that and find a template online and print it up and cut it out. Oh, man, I love packaging. Dude, like seriously. <laughs> like like Ethan, when I get... Black Bell Ethan, he's a packaging designer. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And Jess Aka. Ferris is obsessed with containers. You guys have a weird yeah, nerd. Cult. I seriously like when when like I, I get a new packaging. Oh, but if yeah, I get a new Kelly phone. Johnson, he was he was also selling, so he knows like all the terms of like, whoa, what kind of box you got, and what what your closure is, and oh, this bottom is this type of fold, and that <laughs> sort think, of thing. I think it's so world. slick, man. When you get it like a new iPhone, just the way the package is yeah, like, so perfect. That, that was the and, genius of those guys. And, like though. the Eero that I just bought these. Uh, yeah, ports or boxes whatever, that got little boxes coming. It's just like everything is perfect. Every yeah. fucking square inch of that box right. is utilized. They expanded like, engineering to even the thing they send it to you. Yeah, it's pretty man. Genius. I love that. That's shit. user experience. UX. That's what I do. Call it UX. Yeah, uh, you know that now. Yeah, now that yeah. user experience. Yeah, the whole idea is like, oh, I purchased it, and what's it look like when it arrives, and then how do you open it, and then that sort of thing. I fucking hate it. Just give me my thing. Really? Yeah. Don't um, need to see the liner notes. No, Just give me the MP3. Oh, yeah, yeah, bro. Liner <laughs> notes? <laughs> it's like, when's the last time you read the back of a CD? You know, okay. to find out who the producer was. <laughs> the uh, That's a sad state of affairs. Have you ever seen the meme? I think I've actually brought this up on a previous episode where they list out, they, they put the, uh, stop, make that, stop making that noise, bro. Sorry. They put, <laughs> they list the lyrics to Sincere, Bohemian no, Rhapsody, and they list the the credits, the writer, producer, whatever, and then they list the lyrics of, I think it's called "Girls Run the World" by Beyonce, and there's like four lines in that whole song, and there's like eight people listed with a writing. Credit. Oh yeah, and then you've got Bohemian Rhapsody is literally an epic poem, and it's like, ready, yeah, that's, that's it. You know, that's, I wouldn't want to read the liner notes on things anymore. It's a sad state of affairs, bro. It's not good. <laughs> Nobody's interested in that. Yeah. Like, do they even produce any cover art for music anymore? I think so because you you got like even on Spotify, there's always a picture, and a lot of times it's just a picture of the band, you know, like promo photo or whatever. But it's, sometimes it's like album covers, you know. Anyway, yeah, I hope so. Uh, tell me about your most notorious. 3D printed product, and then I'm going to ask you for jujitsu advice after that. Uh, the Tobros, by far, the most currently, but overall, which is the favorite Tobro? No, man, you're talking about the bottle sex opener. Toys? The oh, bottle. 
We can talk oh, about yeah, sex toys, yeah, yeah. but there's a bottle. I mean, opener. that's the first thing people think about. Like, what kind of dragon penis could I fucking <laughs> print out on this? Can you print a wall-mounted a dragon penis? penis? Yeah, they're they're on Etsy. You don't want to go that down that rabbit hole. Don't say rabbit hole. Uh, okay, <laughs> you don't like that? Uh, don't go down that tunnel. Con- oh god, that's not how. But yeah, no, the bottle openers. So I'm still doing that, producing those. Um, sold one last week of the goddess model. By far my bestseller. <laughs> By like tenfold. Why is that? Because it's a big giant JJ. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually technically a Volvo. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna be that guy. Let's not get technical. It's a Volvo. Yeah, yeah. Alphonse, but I can, Jean. I can find you. <laughs> I can find yours. But you got this. <laughs> you what? Easy, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your hands off my Volvo, bro. <laughs> but like, you got you got stolen. Like, it's, oh it's yeah, world famous, holds, right? Yeah, yeah. That holds. If you were to Google, yeah. Novelty bronze wall hung bottle opener. The first eight listings would be my photography, but not my product. Yeah, it's China or something. Yeah, so um, a couple years ago, um, I get a spike in sales for my goddess model uh, to the point where I run out. I sold out. And I started getting messages on Etsy going, hey, is this you? And they were posting a link to uh, a Facebook advertisement that had... Essentially, they had lifted all my photography off my Etsy site, put it into their site, even went so far as to take my, I have a little video of it working. They took that, scrubbed my signature off of it, put there, it was like www.funshine.com or something like that. And so you go to their website and you would see my, again, my photography, my text off of the Etsy but the price, I sell these things for like 200 bucks, but they were selling them for 20 bucks. And if you ordered three, you got them for 16 bucks. <laughs> That's a fucking deal, dude. So some of these first met, so I, I was actually um, um, a recipient of the, the sales from this uh, fake site. Because what would happen is because they were so close, and they just ripped off my artwork. Some people found my Etsy site. And so they were purchasing it off the Etsy site based on this this um this um ad. Yeah, this Facebook yeah. ad got, I don't know, two million views or something like that. It had fourteen thousand comments. And of course I was starting to type in, yeah, yeah, no, that's terrible. Go to www.etsy.hago.com. Um so yeah, if so it was weird because, like, on one point, I had some of these people messaging me, "You got to put a stop to this. This is ripping you off." And I was like, "Yeah, but kinda, not really." Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually selling more of them. Yeah, I'm selling more of them. And then eventually, what happened is now there's a full-on counterfeit floating around out there. I've bought three of them off of Amazon for twenty bucks. I should have brought one in. They're terrible. It's got jagged edges. You definitely don't want jagged edges on the old Volvo. No, I know. That's not That's so a, good. It's one of the grim nightmares. There's something, some old fairy tale about There's teeth. a movie. 
teeth and the vagina dentata. Yeah, that's it right there. Mm. But yeah, it's strange because again, I got it for twenty bucks. It's a horrible fake sculpt, but it's in. It's weird because it's in two pieces, and it's got little screws in it. So it's like, how do these people do it for twenty bucks and still ship it from? China to me and still make money. So again, my thought was, well, why don't I fall in league with this vicious triad? <laughs> I could use their <laughs> services to get to, you know, I could be quality control. I'd be like, look, Liu Kang, that's a terrible vagina. We need to sculpt that better. I don't think they'd be interested. No, they'd be like, no. get lost. Hoser. Like yeah. They say hoser over there. Probably some. Yeah. I'm not sure it would be. Not flattering. Um, so, yeah, that was my experience with that. But, well, what had happened was I had set up a, another thing I did, I set up a uh, Instagram just for my models, my uh, bottle openers. And so I had a, a listing of the goddess and nothing happened with, you know, a few views or whatever. And then I put up, I did a, a Goldie Gopher one. And then I also did a um, Herky, which is the Iowa Hawkeyes mascot. And what I did was I put up the little video of it working and then put the fight song behind it and in the video embedded. And so it got taken down because I'm not allowed to use the fight song. And then shortly after the Volva got taken down too, because it was like, that was the only thing that was left on my, <laughs> on my Instagram. And I got a quick warning saying, Hey, your thing's been pulled. Try again in 30 days or something. And then I could never recover it. So I don't know how that, so I actually I feel got, like a site got canceled. This is, this is a few years ago, a couple mm-hmm. years ago now. Generally the, like the using licensable music and stuff on Instagram now, like you can find it. Not even that. I'll screen record off of Spotify, add it to a reel, post that reel, and then you get, you'll get a little note say, "Hey, we added that song to the library." I oh, bet, I bet cool. you'd be scot free now doing that, huh? Yeah, do it again. No, I did find, I did find, you know, you can do the music sticker or whatever. So I did yeah. find some of the fight songs. Yeah. So that and, would be how. You and do sometimes it. you just can't find what you're looking for, and you put it on there, and then they just add it to the. It's just a whole new marketplace. No, oh, that's cool. That's a good idea. Anyway, advice time. Pretend yeah. I'm a white belt. Give me advice on jujitsu, and then we go blue, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Hmm, that's a tough call. White or belt. however you want to frame it. Well, I think the standard advice would be uh, position over submission. Survive is your first priority. Essentially, protect your neck and keep your posture good. Think in terms of posture. Um, and just train and do your live roles too would be my advice keep your gi clean wear your socks when appropriate <laughs> and understand the difference between inside pants and outside pants that's good advice right? <laughs> is that for everybody that's advice say, for can you, can you wash your gi of course that's important um but really for those initial I would say most, like we mentioned earlier, most white bows, I just tell them to slow down. Right. Yeah, if breathe, you want to, yeah, breathe, deep breaths, you know, think about um, taking it slow. Right. It seems like a decent addition to that is like just understand it sucks. 
like live roles as a white belt it was miserable it's the weirdest thing that we all keep doing it beyond that because it's like month after month of this sucks yeah i've had a few people very new be like start telling me about how they've oh i've, I've really advanced this one position <laughs> or stuff about um oh when i do this this happens and it's like are you sure about that? Considering you're like a month or two into it, that sort of thing. There's so sort of get caught up in a little over analyzation, and certainly, I don't, the other thing I'd say too is don't get hung up on a lot of the jujitsu training and drilling. You know, it's start out with this position, pull the arm across, now shift out your hips. It's incremental steps, whereas I'd be concentrating potentially more on just the concepts of like, okay, someone's got a post that's going to keep me, you know, their hand is out. So they're, that's the post you want to attack. And that could have many different from many different positions is understanding the concept of framing, right? So you want to attack the post, even though that's maybe not within your instructional guidelines that you've right, been taught. Right. right? So you take this grip and this grip and do this for the flower sweep. Well, they have a post. Yes. <laughs> okay, so all that was fun, but they're still posting. Yeah. That is your point. Yes. Yeah. And then start understanding, too, of like, right, along with the post, where's their weight at? And uh, a lot of push and pull, start to understand those concepts. That's like the old nip and tuck concept, you know, the old <laughs> playground. <laughs> you know that one? What? <laughs> well, the, the old... Uh, you go on all fours behind somebody, and then the person in front of them pushes them. Oh, yeah. That's the nip and tuck. That's the nip and tuck. I, I didn't know that was called the nip and tuck. I, I, I'm pretty sure. Well, let's that's go with it. it. <laughs> yeah. You need help, though. That's the problem. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. You need a con- co-conspirator. So is that advice for everybody, or is that white belts? Uh, well, that would be white belts. I think by the time you're getting blue belt, you sort of understand that concept of the post and where their weight is and... That's when you should start um, understanding what you like to do, what positions you're good in, and then also start to think about you like to get a one position. What do you like to do from that position, right? And then from there, think about what's the next step to get. Okay, so you like to sweep, and then you like to mount and choke or something like that. So start to think about moves in combination and then when you're in purple belt that's when you should really start to hone those um skills right to get to your I like to do my sweeps and then i like to get them out i like to sit and mount if they they like to buck you up high you get high when they come down low you like to grapevine and you know you like to attack the collar so they expose your arm or their arm and then you can attack the arm and go through a flow so you should be by the time you're purple belt you should be flowing from moves to move, I would think. Yeah, gotcha. Are you recording this right now? Yeah, of course. <laughs> With the phone and the mic. Oh, my God. So then so then that pushes us up to brown, huh? Well, I feel like brown and black are kind of smushed together a little bit. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Brown, black is almost like confirmation of brown sure, sort of thing. Yeah, I've heard people say you know, you're you're essentially a black belt in terms of knowledge, skill set, whatever. It's just a matter of tightening up. Loose yeah, just more mat time. Yeah, mat time. Yeah. yeah, I would say. But by purple belt, you should be 
thinking about your moves. Like for me, um, I have my clothes guard I like to do. And then I have a couple of moves when they stand up. I like to go to a couple of like two moves to that. Uh, or if they decide to pass with a smash pass, I like have like a knee shield I like to go to or Barambola or something like that. But it's not, it's not a finite or a infinite amount of moves. I just kind of concentrate on a couple that work sure. for me. And then I, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. If they get past some of those moves, now you gotta readjust. But just stab them. Did you fucking say Barambolo? Yeah. yeah. I thought what? I got that too. I've never seen you go upside down. What are you? What are you tired? What do you? I go to the. Oh no, I'm thinking not Barambolo. I've done the Barambolo. Yes, I've tried it, but I'm thinking <laughs> Della Eva. So. I tried shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I could do a Barambolo. Uh. Talk to somebody. I've done it too. I'm I mean, sure. daily heave is step one, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Fair. I usually go to the easier just sweep from the daily heave. Yeah, yeah. There's an easier sweep from there. Baron Bolo is tough to tuck your head under. But... So many steps. Yes. That was fantastic because anybody that is listening to this that knows you heard you say that and we all just glazed over it and everybody just went, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> Does he do the hey, Baron Bolo? I do things other things yeah other than close guard well but every every single one of those people is like i remember seven minutes trapped in his closed guard but i don't remember any fucking baron bolos i only have to go if i need to yeah right it's a secret weapon yeah close if they start to think they can start to close my or open go open my close guard i should say yeah all right brother i think we did good I think so Mike's, Mike's were on this time. Was it? Yeah. Check your machine. Yeah. It's going to be coming in and out. Yeah, yeah. Popping a, a lot. Yeah, it's all good. Can you, like, fix huh? that? Fix what? Well, like, if uh, off mic or... Yeah, a little bit. It's not necessary. You don't think That's, so? No. We're good. All right. Well, all right. thanks for inviting me. Hopefully yeah. it was entertaining or informative. I, I think I'm out of stories now. Sure. So I'll just stay quiet in the locker room. Yeah. Be like, that was the goal Stop of this, this Naga yeah. story again. That was the goal of this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Shut him up. Toe bros all day. Ugh. Give it a rest, would you? Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Pohada Podcast. And hey, if you're a regular listener, head on over to the Pohada Podcast on Instagram, where amongst the ridiculous memes, you'll find a link to the merch shop and be able to keep up with the disorganized going-ons of the show. And hey, before you go, here's a little preview of an upcoming episode. As maybe you might expect, you know, the 26-year-old uh, ends up dominating uh, 42-year-old Elio Gracie. Uh, the fight goes on incredibly long, over three hours. It's at like the three-hour and ten-minute mark. Uh, I believe it was that uh, Voldemort slammed Elio and then got up and soccer kicked him in the head, knocked him out, right? So this was a decisive win, and Santana was an instant celebrity. And he opened his own academy. He had success as a fighter and a coach, so he went on to good things. In contrast, uh, the other martial arts schools used this uh, against Elio and the Gracie Academy, and it kind of seemed to, to hurt their reputation. 